right, let's kick this off. This is episode 425. I'm Matt Lawrence, your temporary host. With us today, we got Tim Spence. Yes, sir. And oh, oh and Bluetooth is connected. Oh. All right, perfect. Yeah. And uh, Adriano Petty as well. I guess my Bluetooth was connecting. It is now. Yeah. Anyway, we have a, a packed episode for you all today. Uh, we got some more uh, juicy news about the Microsoft acquisition, Microsoft Activision acquisition, as well as some some words are flying now. We got some people fighting a little bit. Uh, Bobby Kotick has uh, said some stuff. We'll get into that. Uh, we also have uh, the Joy-Con Drift lawsuit against Nintendo. The class action lawsuit has been thrown out. Due to a loophole, we'll also touch on that. And then we have a a query corner sort of question, so a conversation driver. So this week, uh, or rather soon, I guess, uh, Crossfire X is shutting down, so free-to-play shooter on Xbox and PC, I think. Um, but that's not the main thing. The main thing is, is I'm noticing that a lot of games are closing down and ceasing sales, and I want to know what your guys' thought is uh, on this and if this is due to a games-as-a-service overload. But we'll start it off with an, sort of an intro story here, which isn't directly video game related, but it is uh, media related. And that, that is that AMC theaters uh, to price movie tickets based on seat location. This comes to us from the site Variety. Um, at your next visit to AMC theaters, getting a prime seat, prime seat excuse me, may cost you a little extra. Uh, in the U.S., the largest, this largest exit. The largest exhibition chain is rolling out Sightline, um, a ticket pricing initiative based on seat location within auditorium. Uh, similar to music concerts, sporting events, or Broadway, moviegoers will have the option to pay more or less for admission depending on where they choose to sit in the venue. In effect, front row seats will be available at a lower price, while seats in the middle of the theater will be available at a higher price what do you guys think about this is this going to affect the amount you go to the theater if you even really go much at all if this were to affect our theaters in canada of course you know it will uh it's just a matter of time i actually don't think this is going to affect me that much i think i'll still go yeah i can only imagine that it would it wouldn't be that big of a difference maybe a couple of dollars <laughs> difference but um I don't know. There is a, a, spa- a place in the theater that I tend to prefer to sit. I don't know if you guys have that, but you always try to get the seats in the same place every time. But um, I'm interested to know where on the like value scale the place I like to sit would fall. Where do you like to sit? What's your, what's yeah. your preferred? Almost as far back as possible, roughly in the middle. So you would sit top row in the middle if you could? My my preferred spot is about three rows from the back. That's exactly where I'm preferred. Where <laughs> I prefer from, not quite at the back, but just a couple yeah. down. Uh, I don't think this is going to affect me that much. I'm probably still going to go. Uh, these changes are only. There was a point in the theater and during COVID when they did still let people back in, and there was a you know mask mandate, and when they let food, it, sometimes food there, sometimes not. They didn't let food. All it did was I noticed it just filtered the people who legitimately wanted to be there into the theater and it filtered the people who do not want to be at the theater from coming to the theater. Yeah. Because you because you have people who go to the theater on a Friday night, Saturday night with their friends just to fucking kill time. And those people can be shitheads. And those people usually are not quite respectful in the theater. 
And I think that doing this will either at the very least put them on the outskirts where they're going to be less disruptive or get them the hell out of the theater altogether. Um, realistically with the pricing, I think what's going to happen is whatever the current prices per ticket, they're probably going to set that as the lowest rate. So like right now on an IMAX opening night, it's 21 something per ticket. I think they're going to probably set that for the shittiest price. And then the other ones are just going to go up from there. If I had to guess. See the, the cheaper front row front row seats, because the front row seats were are notoriously considered bad because you're at a weird angle. You're looking up. Um, that doesn't seem that crazy to me, like charging less for those, but charging more for the other seats and, and having a variable among the auditorium feels weird because it's, it's, it's just a known thing that those front seats are subprime. And then the rest of it, there's certainly some prime time locations and then there's some preference mixed in. But to me, this is them. This is the theaters uh, shooting themselves in the foot. And I think I mentioned this when this was shared to us at some point, I think maybe Ryan sent this to us this uh, sometime during the week was that this to me is just, it's such a bizarre thing for theaters to do. I understand it's about revenue, but once again, this, this comes back to like the Netflix password sharing thing. If you need some more revenue, do a, do a price increase because you're going to because now you're going to have seats that cost less. Some seats cost more. Some seats are maybe in the sweet spot. Maybe they maybe the the quote unquote normal seats are the 21 that Adriano mentioned. The other ones are 19 and the other ones are 23. The prime prime ones are 23 or something. Um, if you just did a small price increase across the board, you'd get a couple eyebrow raises. No one would say anything. And then that's it. And if you have a movie that sells out, you're sell you're selling your non non prime seats at the more at the higher rate and then that's it people complain about say a netflix uh price increase a ticket increase at the at the uh at the theater for sure but it goes away very quickly but then when you start adding these little nuances to try to get more money out of people to me unless it's some sort of big initiative it just doesn't make any sense. If they wanted an additional dollar per ticket, charge 50 cents more per ticket and then charge 50 cents more at the, at the concession stand or something like that. They're like, they, they know, they know their business. They, I don't like, I don't know if this is going to affect it too bad, depending on how much you go. Like I would still go, but it's, it's, this is bizarre to me. Uh, but Matt, they also already did raise ticket prices. In Cineplex, you have if you decide to buy your ticket online, there's a administrative fee. There's a dollar fifty per two D showing per ticket, and there's I think there's a two dollar fee per ticket for an IMAX movie. But not not AMC, like so not not according to the not not um not the same theater as this as as the story we're talking about. But yeah, yeah the local but, theater chain Cineplex in Canada. Yeah, but like there is so there are avenues for them to raise it in different ways, and they and they they have. But I think. Matt, like we all know that if they were to do this, the lowest price ticket is going to be what we pay now. And then it's only going to go up from there. They're not going to lower the shittier ones. That's true. They're just going to raise the better ones. I suppose I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt thinking they're going to have like a like a 
a, a regular ticket price and then the like like the ticket price we're playing now is regular and then they'll go up and down from there. Yeah. You're probably right. They'll inflate it, you know, they'll artificially inflate it. And then I just have a bunch of questions like how does this affect Cineclub? Or well, because this isn't happening in Cineplex, but assuming this were to come into Cine into Cineplex, like there is they have a subscription program where you get so many per month. Uh, yeah, now now it's now it's you only get you get certain viewings per month. But hypothetically, if this were to come in, it'd be you have to you have to sit in the front rows. <laughs> yeah, they'll, and they'll probably say, well, the base tier of Cine Club is this one. Then you go Cine Club 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 Plus, which gets you this and this and this. Um, I. I think this was just going to have me maybe favor a cheaper night more often if I wanted to go see something in the theater because I usually don't go on Tuesdays. I would probably then just favor Tuesdays to maybe lessen that a little bit. But see, this is them shooting themselves in the foot again. Like you're a huge movie goer and even like this, this changing your habits. I understand you're a sample size of one, but this changing your habits, there's got to be other moviegoers that are avid moviegoers that really like the theater mm-hmm. and and that they're going to adjust. And it's so stupid for them to do this. It's one thing if the theaters are selling out like crazy and they can't, they can't, you know, it's just like, man, like uh, there's, there's line lineups out the door. What do we do? Raise the prices, you know, change the changes to, to, to tiered seating. Let's try that. Um, you know, that, that's one thing, but it's like movie theaters are largely, I always hear about how much trouble they're in. I never hear about how great they're doing. It's either yeah. there's no news or there's bad news. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, but I also don't see this happening for an entire run. I, I see this only happening on major uh, blockbuster titles. I think we've lost Adriano, but... He's probably right, though, like kind of going off of what he was saying. I wouldn't be surprised if if indeed it is only for the bigger showings like it is only for like the start with the popular like triple A like blockbusters, the MCU films. Right. Yeah, like a big one. Then, but here's the question, though. I, go ahead. Do they do. Sorry, but do they have to pay Disney more? I don't know how that works, but Disney gets it. Disney gets most of the box office tickets for the first uh, month, I think they take like 80% of the ticket and then theater gets the rest of it. Theaters don't make almost no money off of ticket sales for the first, for the first month. And then that's that's why concessions are so expensive. Yeah. And then after that, the take, then the theaters get 100% of the, of the, uh, of the ticket sale ticket sales. I was going to say, I wonder, I mean, it probably won't happen, but with um like the variation of like offering higher ticket prices to, or like depending on or different ticket prices depending on seating i was going to say i wonder if they would offer discounts for like the fringe seating or the close to the screen seating in an effort to fill theaters more because post covid they're probably going to be looking to fill out as many theaters as they can and people are probably still wary of being that close to people. So in an effort to sell every seat in sort of the same way that flight uh, companies, travel companies try to oversell uh, and overbook uh, seats on, on flights. I wonder if they would, uh, as it gets closer to the actual like showing time or depending on seating, offer discounts to try to fill out that theater as much as possible. 
It's a good question because there is a thing here called uh, Cheap Tuesday or CPX Tuesday. I think they refer to it, and it's half price tickets on a lot of the uh, a lot of the tickets, if not all of them. And it would be interesting to see if they offer that for the front row, or they offer that for the for like you're saying the fringe seating because that's that's pretty um, lucrative. And I remember being a kid, and being a kid, it, the front row doesn't really affect you. It's more for like when you're adult height, more or less. Like when you're like average height, you're like you're kind of craning your neck back to see the scene. I was going to ask you, have you ever seen a, a movie from the front row? I have, and I remember as a kid, it wasn't that bad. But I remember myself, like now, like as an adult or even like a later teen, it sucks. I definitely went and saw a movie with friends, I think, like in I don't know, elementary school or high school or something in the front in the front row, because it was that's what all was that's all that was available. And I remember it being miserable. <laughs> like it was it was too close. Like you couldn't you couldn't watch the movie like it was. You could, but you're literally, yeah, like you say, you're looking up the, you're not looking at a screen, right? You're effectively, the angle is completely wrong. It was not feasible, you know? And that might have just been that theater, like maybe they had closer seating than like they typically, that you might find in a theater nowadays. But it just like, it was, it was pointless, basically. There was almost no point in going and seeing that movie that way. Yeah, I think the last movie I saw was that alien comedy that Paul or something when we were in high school, I think it was. And we had to, we had to get, Oh my God. <laughs> and I, I don't remember liking it, but probably because I don't know if it was good or not, but probably because I was in the front row <laughs> and it really sucked. But yeah. like I was at that point, it's like later high school and kind of at the same height I am now, if not literally the same height. And so it like, it sucks. Um, but I remember seeing like inspector gadget in theaters as a kid in the front row and I could just slouch down and like, I'm already short. And it was great. It didn't bother me at all. So, but that's, uh, that's theaters. Hopefully they don't do this here and they leave us alone, but, uh, you know, they will either this or something else. Like I can definitely see them doing something else. Like what if they did something like if you're not a cine club, uh, holder, then you, these seats or these two rows are completely barred. You can't get them. With the exception of MCU films or the big films or something like that, maybe so. I don't know, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. They're always trying to wait, find ways to make more revenue, as many things are. Um, next story here, though, uh, Nintendo wins class action lawsuit about Switch Joy-Con drift. This comes to us from Game Rant. Uh, the Joy-Con drift lawsuit was thrown out because the parents lost the lo- lost the loophole of using their children to circumvent the EULA, which is the EULA. Uh, they were seeking $5 million because Nintendo's uh, marketing didn't effectively warn about drift. Now they'll have to endure legal fees while they could have just gone to get the Joy-Cons fixed for free. Uh, the parents' arguments that their children were not bound by the uh, the EULA uh, wasn't sound as it was determined that it was the parents who owned the consoles and made the agreement and the children had no grounds to sue over it. Since the parents are bound by the agreement, they have no recourse but to give up the suit. Um I don't know if I I don't I actually forgot there was a class action lawsuit about this going on, but there's something that I don't like about all this Joy-Con drift stuff, and that is actually Sony. Uh, their their most recent edition, uh, I think it's the DualSense Edge, which is effectively their Pro Controller. They acknowledge, oh, extend the longevity of your product. Removable sticks when there is a different 
like thumbstick technology out there that uses magnets. I think it is that doesn't suffer from Joy-Con drift or analog stick drift. It doesn't, it doesn't suffer from this. Why aren't they using that? Like, why are we demanding that we stick to this technology that clearly is mechanically wearing out? It'd be like, why aren't we still using the model T Ford? Like it doesn't go fast enough. But we could still use that if we wanted. Like, why Why don't we just move on to new sticks? The controllers are already outrageously priced. And you could make a, a pro controller or a better Joy-Con, charge $15 more for it, and say, this one doesn't have drift. This one has the new type of stick. What do you guys think? Tim, I'll let you take this one. I don't have a thought. <laughs> I mean... I think it can be comfortably said that there's always going to be ways that companies are looking to weasel their way out of accountability while also maximizing profits. And if there's, I mean, I, I don't really have any comments on like the Nintendo situation, I suppose. I also forgot that there was like a lawsuit happening. I last, I remember hearing about it. Uh, they were offering to if you sent in your joy cons they would they would fix the drift for free and uh seeing a lot of videos and tips online about how to fix it yourself so that you didn't have to send it into nintendo because who knows how long it would take to get back a couple weeks couple months who knows um it's it's just surprising that like these things the R&D into consoles these days, like with how hyper massive an industry video games are now relative to any other kind of industry out there, but especially the entertainment industry, the amount of money and time that goes into R&D for this stuff. And they still have these major issues with hardware. Yeah, like yep. it, it reminds me of like the 360 days. Like I had a, I had a friend who, I mean, Matt, I know you had big issues with 360s, but I had another friend who um i think he he spent more time towards the end of the 360 life cycle without his 360 than with it because he was always sending it into microsoft for red ring of death issues and like it was like it, it got to the point where he's like i i send it in i don't even care anymore if i get it back i get it back i'm just going to start like pc gaming instead cuz like it's not it's not reliable and it's like with how much money goes into this especially with nintendo with all the money in the world to throw at research and like developing hardware and stuff why does this kind of thing still happen you know and it's a basic feature too this isn't like a a niche add-on to a, a wiimote where they didn't do all the research in the world this is the joy cons these the are the things that come with the damn switch and it's not even necessarily like a wear and tear issue like no. some controllers just have it and it's like then that's a manufacturing issue that's a major manufacturing issue <laughs> but you can't yeah. recall every controller that's affected by it right so best you can do is you know squeaky wheel gets the grease people complain about it offer to fix it for them and then what going forward who knows but 
this is very reminiscent of the of the Apple issue with their keyboards where they had those butterfly switches and there's a whole list of stuff that people they they tried different things like a rubber gasket or something around it and stuff and their keyboards would just they had barely any travel people didn't like the typing experience but they were like no we you know we need these keyboards to be thin we need these keyboards to be thin and then they kept double typing you had problems with the keys wearing out well in res- resulting in the double typing or there'd be dirt you know, some dirt, some debris gets underneath the keyboard. And I think we've had this, I've had this conversation with Ryan off here a couple of times where he's like, well, you know, don't eat over your keyboard. These are laptops. These things are being brought into, um, these things are being brought into environments. You know, what environment, who knows? Like these are portable computers, they're workhorses. They need to be able to not necessarily withstand a bunch of water and sand being thrown at them, but they can't be in like a clean room every day. Like they can't be in something that's perfectly pristine. Like what if you're taking this thing to clients' houses and your client's house is dirty? I mean, it's it's just that simple. And it's with the Joy-Cons and with everything else, like with any of the other controllers, it's like when you're playing games, like if you're immersed, you're going to be hard on the sticks. Like I mentioned, I mentioned before that playing competitive shooters kind of feels like the, the way that my controllers wear out because I'm like, I'm trying to win the game against another player. I can't pause. And so like, I'm not even thinking I'm going, you know, just running around trying to be faster than them, win the COD match, whatever. And I'm probably being harder on it without realizing it. Kids are not going to be easy on stuff. There's no way. And like, you know, you can teach them not to abuse stuff, but they don't know like pressure and like be very careful with these joy cons even if that'll help the drift, like the drift will more than likely inevitably show up. And it's like, why don't you just use the new type of sticks that are out there? <laughs> like just use those. It's so, it's so, it's so frustrating that we do have a solution for this. And it just, it just seems to get ignored. It, it's, I mean, I guess with the dual sense edge, you could argue that like Sony's going to make more money by selling you some sticks, but, <laughs> but then again, kind of not because, if you bought a regular dual sense and that starts to drift, you would just buy a whole new dual sense. So unless those sticks are going to be as much as a dual sense, I don't know. The whole situation sucks. Like just, well, the different sticks are probably more expensive too, right? Like they're trying to keep their margins. Their margins are already razor thin on hardware. That's true. So, so like any bigger cost is just basically going to be like, if that suggestion is thrown out there, it's going to be not, no, we, we can do better than that. But would you, so for, so for example, Joy Cons are like a hundred ish Canadian. Is that right, Tim? Yeah, I think so. Oh my god, that's so much money. So let's just say it's ninety. So let's just say okay, ninety bucks. So ninety dollars Canadian. We'll ignore the tax and stuff. So it's not ninety dollars. Let's just say flat. It can maybe ninety after tax. I'll look it up. Um, but what I was going to say is, if let's say there's a ninety dollar version right now in the store, like you just need to buy Joy Cons. You don't care what color, or whatever. And then there's an identical pair, but it's the new type of stick and it's ten dollars more. It says like you know, no Joy Con drift. Would you pay the extra ten? If I if I knew I was going to get no drift on Joy Cons, yeah, I'd pay the extra ten. Right? The you're, not, you're, not gonna risk it. you're not gonna notice ten dollars later. It's just ten dollars is not you're not gonna it's not gonna you're not gonna realize in ten years you needed that ten dollars. Joy-Cons are 100 bucks. It's the Pro Controllers that are 90 I think. Is it 100 after tax or 100 without tax? Before. Before tax. Okay. So oh, oh my like God. 100 to 110 then. Like so you, so you would say so Adriana would buy it. You you would you said you'd risk it Tim? You'd risk the Joy-Con drift? I think I would just because I haven't been burned yet. <laughs> okay. My my first my first got my Switch, my launch day Switch. 
uh, with the with the gray Joy Cons. It was totally fine until like about when the next generation, not the OLED, but the next generation switches came out, next generation hardware. And uh, so around the time that like the Animal Crossing switch came out, my left Joy-Con started to get, I think, the beginning of Joy-Con drift. So I can only imagine that that was maybe from wear and tear, but I don't think that I used my switch to that extent that I did that much to the to the sticks. Um, but there were some times when I was noticing it kind of like drifting a little bit and I could correct it and it wouldn't like keep doing it. But uh, I traded that one in and then I got a different one. So and then I put those, you know, joy cons with it. So I kind of got rid of my problem. OK, and I've bought three other sets, two or th- two sets, maybe of joy cons, extra joy cons. And um, they've been fine. So, like, I don't know if it's a wear and tear issue. Maybe it's something you could avoid if you're careful with your stuff and you've got multiple sets of Joy-Cons. So you're spreading that wear and tear out across, like, two or three rather than just the one. But either way, it it shouldn't be an issue in the first place. Seriously. Like, with, with the amount of money that goes into the development. And I get that you can't account for every possible situation with... um you know you can only trial something so much as a dev team before putting it out into the hands of like millions of consumers obviously there are going to be things that crop up when you've got a sample size that big versus oh, just for sure you're like testers of course but i i'm still surprised that with all of the decades of research that we have into controllers at this point that <laughs> things like that still happen on a mass scale Especially with the age of Joy-Cons, too, with the age of Pro Controllers, all that stuff. Um, because because you're right, like, you know, you can only test it so much. Like, you can even see that in the car industry where a person that knows cars would be like, oh, is that a 60, you know, enter car name here? They always go in the back end. Like, they always rust there. It's like, OK, that was an engineering problem. Like, nothing's ever engineered perfectly because humans aren't perfect. That's fine. But when there is a solution... <laughs> When it's just like, man, these cars keep rusting. Maybe we should paint them. We do have paint. It's like, ah, well, let's not, let's not paint it. Let's just let them rust. It's like, what? What's going on here? Like, why aren't we painting them? It's just ridiculous. A hundred dollars for Joy Cons, because technically you're buying two controllers. Oh, for it was convenient. My brother brought his switch over and we played Mario Party. Uh, whatever it was. I, I don't remember which Mario Party I, we played. And Superstars. I, I, I think that's the one I said, but then he messaged me saying that it was the wrong one and we didn't play that one. And I also There didn't. are two on the Switch. Let me let me take a look what he said, because otherwise I'm going to get another correction notice from him. <laughs> uh, um, not on top of my uh, my Stargate, uh, my Stargate was, like, like 25 cent jar or whatever it was. So, so, so Tim, my, my brother messages me and he goes, he goes, get Matt a quote 25 cent stargate end quote jar so every time matt <laughs> says stargate throw a quarter in there and what i was actually going to suggest when i heard that ryan wasn't going to be on the show what i wanted to do was bring him on and be like i'm going to just put my brother and matt on the podcast and let let them duke it out over stargate it <laughs> just kind of <laughs> so you're now what four quarters into that jar yourself yeah, 
Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> Man, I'm profiting off of your uh, your misfortune there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, every time anyone else says it, Matt gets a quarter, but every time he says it, he loses a quarter. Oh, man. And then we'll keep a running total for like a year in a Word document or something and see if Matt, how much Matt's up or down. It's going to be, be down, down like 100 bucks. <laughs> I was going to say, it'll be down like, 100, like at least 100. <laughs> so I said, apparently I said we did Super Mario party which is the which is a mario party games yeah super mario party we did not we did mario party superstars yeah that super mario party was the one that came out early days of the switch or it was the first one on the switch superstars with a lot of them too superstars is way better yeah it was fun it was uh fun to fun to do a I, i still say we do we do a video series every Mario every Party. Mario Party. Order, every board, max turns. You said the arcade cabinets too, which I Googled and couldn't find anything about. <laughs> so yeah, or the, like the, from eBay, I mean. Like I oh, couldn't yeah. find it. I couldn't find any any of them for sale, no parts, like nothing. Oh, because they're only they're Japan only, Matt. It would be but even then be, though, they should still be, be on eBay. That would be a special. That would be us going to to Japan and, and doing it there. Let me see if I can find the wee. While you do that, I'll go into the next story here. Uh, the Microsoft Activision Blizzard acquisition, um, whatever you want to call it, saga, if you will, um, has been provisionally blocked. So some juicy news this week. Uh, they might be forced to sell Call of Duty. This comes to us from 925Mac. Um, and this is a quote. A, a CMA investigation has provisionally concluded that Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision could result in higher prices, fewer choices, or less innovation for gamers. I've gathered quite a bit of quotes here, so I'll just read through them now, and then we'll talk about them. The evidence available to the CMA currently indicates that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision's games exclusive to its own cloud gaming service or only uh, or only available on other services under materially worse conditions. Microsoft already accounts for an estimated 60 to 70% of global cloud gaming services and also has other important strengths in cloud gaming from owning Xbox and leading PC uh, PC operating system, Windows, and a global cloud computing infrastructure, um, Azure, 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 I think it is, uh, and cloud and Xbox cloud gaming. CMA provisionally found that buying one of the world's most important game publishers would reinforce this strong position and substantially reduce the competition that Microsoft would otherwise face in the cloud gaming market in the UK. The CMA provisionally found that a small number of key games, including Call of Duty or COD, uh, Activision's flagship game, play an important role in driving competition between consoles. The evidence uh, available to the CMA, um, including data on how Microsoft measures the value of customers in the ordinary course of business, Currently indicates that Microsoft would find it commercially beneficial to make Activision's games uh, exclusive to its own consoles or only available on PlayStation under materially worse conditions. Um, the, the CMA officially found that weakening competition by restricting the access uh, that other platforms have to Activision's games could substantially reduce the competition between Xbox and PlayStation in the UK and in turn harming UK gamers. So this is big. Uh, and I did not consider the cloud gaming angle. I honestly thought cloud gaming was going to be such a small thing because it's so niche right now that I didn't really think that the CMA or any of the regulatory bodies would really pick up on it. I just thought it would be, it's too small. It's too early. Um, it's sort of like VR to me where it's like, it's pretty niche. It's actually, to me, it's actually smaller than VR cloud gaming is. So what do you guys think about this? Like it's provisionally blocked. Um, there's a note in here that they, you know, there's, there's going to be, so, uh, 
the CMA had mentioned, and I'm just paraphrasing from memory from reading the article, but they did mention something like, you know, some behavioral uh, actions are probably not going to remedy the problem. Like them saying, I, you know, we promise to give PlayStation COD at the same level uh, for 10 years, stuff like that. They said, unless it's, you know, pretty well guaranteed. Uh, and they also, they some of their suggestions and one of them included, uh, you know, possibly buying Activision Blizzard, but selling off Call of Duty, whether that means spinning it off into its own company or, Whatever that means, whatever that would look like. Uh, what do you guys think? I think this is still going to go through in the end. I don't think this will stop the acquisition, even even if they do have to compromise and sell off something. I think they'll end up doing it in the end. Um. So I yeah, was I was curious whether they're going to get blocked in one country and not in another. I don't and, know how that, and what I, that would, what, what, and what that would look like. Like how yeah, would that work? I actually, yeah, I don't know how that would work. And I'm, I'm, I will probably go and try to find like a, like a, like a explain, like example. A, yeah. Like explain like a five example or video on YouTube saying, Hey, that's how that works because it did happen somewhere. A EU, regulatory body did force i think it, i could be wrong i think i'm pretty sure they forced meta to sell off something they had based on the same thing antitrust uh i don't recall that it's, it's possible i don't i don't it was it was it. just it was just it was a small company but they did for, they did regulate it to the um they did regulate it so that they had to sell off and that was a that was a European regulatory body, so I'm not too sure how that does go worldwide. Like I like that is I think that's worthwhile looking into. Um, but in the end, I actually don't think this will stop it. I have a feeling it's still going to go through. I'm I'm still like I'm a little bit shocked at how much stock they're putting in Call of Duty. You know, it's a it, the the two things they brought up were two things I didn't really think they would. So I thought Sony was sort of sounding the alarm bell on Call of Duty specifically to try to to try to um bring attention to it. And maybe this maybe that this is how it's resulted. But the cloud gaming stuff is just like again something that's so niche to me. And I'm honestly surprised that they brought this up. And and I bring this up again because I wonder if this is going to be the thing that that blocks them where they say, hey, you know, you're in this industry that is allegedly potentially going to take over the traditional console market and you own over half of it. Like you own a control, effectively a controlling share, if you will, of that market right now. You shift the market shifts with you. And so, you know, you shouldn't have another huge uh, piece of this of this puzzle. Like you shouldn't be you shouldn't be able to buy such a massive conglomerate. I'm honestly surprised that they're allowing them to spin off or like as a, as a suggestion, spin off call of duty or sell off call of duty, because I was mentioning to you guys, um, if they sold off call of duty, who would be there to buy it? PlayStation, <laughs> like who, you know, who would purchase it? And if it's PlayStation, that's some straight bullshit, but it'll probably end up being something like they'll spin it off as its own company independently. Cause it Nintendo. is a, a Nintendo buys call of duty. The all new Nintendo exclusive call of duty. <laughs> <laughs> with Wiimotes only, please. Get ready to relive the classic action shooter game from the very beginning. Call of Duty 1 Remastered on Nintendo Switch. 
and 3DS console and 3DS. My God, what a like! I'm honestly surprised this, it's been provisionally blocked. Um, because obviously provisionally means yeah. that they're, they're you know they're, they're they're letting them know, and then Microsoft can can re, can rebuttal, and the, the proceedings can go you know can continue. They're, it's not like it's blocked. Moving on, next case. It's yeah, not that. I, it's like, not that yet. Like they they might just say let's just take a look at this this they might end up in the end saying yeah we can you can go forward with it um because in the end like microsoft's going after this for what's the mobile division of activision what's it called king king i i don't know like i don't know the numbers but would it be worthwhile just to say yeah sure we'll sell off call of duty you know what's interesting about you mentioning king though they mentioned king publicly right who who's they microsoft okay did did the CMA look at that and then find out about their share of the cloud gaming? Like if they didn't know, or they really, if they weren't paying attention to the cloud gaming services, because they are, you know, admittedly pretty niche right now, they didn't pay attention to those. Let's say, would they be like, you know, call of duty is a bit of a contention point, but there's always going to be a contention point in every case. So it'll be okay. But now that they've seemingly kind of zoomed in on two contention points, now it's sort of like, Hey, what the hell's going on here? I also find it interesting that it like if they promise COD for the next 10 years, like is there not a legally binding thing that they could do? Like there's legal agreements all the time. Like, why wouldn't you just be like, yeah, we, we guarantee this is going to happen. And then they go like, well, no, like you can't like, you know, we're not really going to accept a solution like that. Sort of like, I don't really well, know why that would be. Well, because here's the thing, though, if they say, yeah, we'll let this happen, but you have to sell Call of Duty. They're not required to sell Call of Duty immediately to the first person who comes by with a dollar and says here i'll buy call of duty they are allowed to have a time period and say well you get to sell it in the best interest that best serves your company you don't have to just sell it off to anyone and you don't have to sell it off for any dollar amount so there will be a time period where microsoft could say yeah we'll sell it off but this has to happen now and they can say okay sure you have 48 months to sell off call of duty that still gives them 48 months to do what they want with it to even make an exclusive deal and just say, you know what, we'll we'll make it anyways. And during this time, it's exclusive to this and then we'll sell it off. What would be hilarious is they spin it off into its own company. So you got like the COD company or something and Microsoft publishes it. <laughs> and then they still they still use all the Game Pass stuff. They still do be. all that stuff. And then that independent entity just so happens to determine that they're going to go exclusive Xbox. Because because <laughs> how did that happen with Bungie? Not Bungie. Um Bungie? Bungie the Was, mid Halo, you mean? Yeah, they they were bought by Activision. Or how did that I'm not sure. No, well, Sony owns them. Sony owns them. No, no, now. But they, why were they in the Battle.net client? Why was Destiny in the Battle.net client? I thought that was just an agreement, but I honestly don't remember. Do you Do you recall that, Tim? No idea. I thought Bungie was owned by Activision at one point. Maybe? Um, I don't know. That whole, that whole, like... It's weird. It's weird, like, having... It's weird having like Halo define Bungie, but then Bungie goes and does something else. And then Microsoft, who was like with Bungie all along. It's like a whole like weird web of 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 entanglement. It doesn't really make it. It doesn't really. I don't know. It's a weird. It's just weird. 
Oh, it was a publishing agreement with Activision. It wasn't for Destiny. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I remember. That's why at one point the the BattleNet client you open it up, it had Battle, that Blizzard stuff, and then it had Activision stuff, and that's where they had Call of Duty and uh, uh, Crash Bandicoot and all that. Call of Duty was on BattleNet. Yeah, there was a point where I opened up yep. BattleNet, and there was there's it was subdivided. They didn't Blizzard clearly didn't want it mixed in because mm-hmm. when you when you open up a BattleNet client. All the all the benchmark title, all the benchmark Blizzard titles are there. Like you have yep. tabs for them. You don't get yep. to not have them. And I remember them seeing it was a Blizzard titles, and then underneath it was Activision titles. Yeah, that's where you had Call of Duty and, and Crash Bandicoot and whatever else falls in that category. And then I the deal fell through, and then they kind of updated and phased it out. Um, but then yeah, they they were sold off too, or they they sold. To Sony. Yeah. Um, this is because I don't know. Did you dip into the next story about? No, yeah, we can, we can t- t- touch on that now because it is like a sort of an expansion of this. So uh, this this comes to us from uh, the VGC, which is Video Game Chronicle. Um, Bobby Kotick accuses Sony of, quote, trying to sabotage and, quote, Microsoft's Activision takeover. Uh, speaking to the Financial Times, Kotick expressed concerns that uh, ideologues were taking over the agencies and claimed that uh, Sony Entertainment, sorry, sorry, Sony Interactive Entertainment's CEO, Jesus, that's a mouthful, and other executives had stopped returning calls from Activision to Microsoft. Uh, as a quote here, suddenly Sony's entire leadership team stopped talking to anyone at Microsoft. I think that this is all Sony just trying to sabotage the transaction. And he also added that the whole idea that we are not going to support a PlayStation uh, or that Microsoft would not support the PlayStation, it is absurd. Uh, In response to a request for comment from the Financial Times, Sony did reply with, quote, we are in contact with Microsoft and have no further comment regarding our private negotiations. I find this fascinating that there needs to be uh, private negotiations with a competitor about what you're doing. Why is that fast? I don't know. I just find this, I don't know. I find that I find this really bizarre. It's like, if I'm making moves to screw you over because you're my competitor and I'm like, you know, we're, we're competitors. Like I shouldn't, <laughs> I don't know. It feels weird. Like, it just feels like I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm not going to be like, Hey, Sony, we're releasing a new Xbox next year. Don't tell anybody. Like, it just feels weird. Yeah. I don't know. But- but they also talk they also communicate to each other like on for other reasons for for cooperative purposes so it's not like they are in constant contact with each other sure just like on a, on pr level if one if one thing makes a post about something related to non video game news they're all going to make that same thing so but not- I, I i actually don't necessarily disagree with like I, I do feel as though Sony this is my personal opinion I don't have any like actual proof but just having seen this unfold I personally raise the eyebrow and think you know what like it kind of feels like Sony's not just doesn't just doesn't want the deal to happen maybe it's legitimate maybe it's totally yeah, legitimate they, and they're they they're, 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 to, they're totally worried about about Call of Duty maybe that's yeah. the case maybe they, that's they, the case they definitely but I, don't. I don't think it is I don't think it is they definitely don't want it to happen it's not it's not something that's they do not want this deal to happen they will fight tooth and nail to make sure it doesn't. And it is in their best interest to make it not happen. But what would be hilarious is if, is if they somehow successfully stop it. And then Sony starts going after act. They can't afford to buy all of Activision, but if they went and started buying piecemeal parts of it, buy call of duty. (laughs) Exactly. That would just be a big middle finger. And then anything, anything Sony does 
any acquisition, anything, Microsoft is going to come in and just argue with the high hell. Oh, I yeah, I would have, like I, as Microsoft, yeah. I absolutely, if I was running that place, I'd be like, you ruined my deal. Now I'm going to run up the bill on every single thing you do. Any other right. acquisition you want, I'm going to run your bill up. I don't care because because Microsoft's bigger than Sony. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, one thing I will say, though, as I just thought of this as you were talking to Toronto, is what if a deal comes out where they do this? Whether they spin off Call of Duty or not, someone develops Call of Duty, either an independent company or Microsoft, and PlayStation publishes it. Oh, yeah. And then you're 50-50 in, kind of. You get you both got your foot in the door. You both got something in, the, in, in there. You're both getting a piece of it. One is absolutely going to publish games for its own self. <laughs> and the other one's going to develop games for its own self. So you're saying that that Microsoft Studios publishes Microsoft Studios Xbox. I honestly. Hey, 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 Sony, you know, you're 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 pissed about Call of Duty. Take a big piece of the profit. We don't care. We want King and all that, but we still want Call of Duty and we want to put it on Game Pass. So we'll develop it. You publish it, obviously publish it on every, everywhere. You you distribute it. You do whatever. The only thing you can't do is you can't say anything bad about Xbox as a part of the, the publishing deal. Boom. Yeah, I don't I don't see that technically could happen. Will it happen? I don't think so. But... I don't think so either, but it would be. It would be interesting. Well, do you think that they're trying to sabotage it, though? Like, do you think that they're they're trying to sabotage it or do you think it's it's of literal concern? Like they're literally like, oh, my God, like one of our not, not even there, but one of the flagship shooters might might get taken off a of PlayStation. I don't see the difference between those two. Those are the same thing to me. You're saying, are they sabotaging it or they have legitimate concern? To me, they're one is the cause and effect of the other. I, I would say that that's not necessarily the case. Like, I don't think like, like right now they don't control Call of Duty. They have a deal with them for some exclusive content. Um, and Microsoft had a very similar deal years prior on the 360. So, you know, it's a two way street there. But um, they don't like if they're if they were so scared about Call of Duty, they would absolutely try to do more with them. Like they would try to invest in a controlling interest or a large interest, uh, just like they have with Fortnite, for example, with Epic. Like, why aren't they taking more moves? If you're, if this is such a crucial thing, why isn't, aren't you doing anything? You're not offering any publishing services. You're not offering anything like that. Uh, obviously you do have like the exclusive content deal right now. So maybe that's just enough. But if this is such a big, such a big deal to your console, wouldn't you try to make more moves? At least I would think you would. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I like how Bobby Kotick is uh, getting involved. And uh, well, he's he's still in power at or Activision Blizzard, and well, allegedly until the takeover, then presumably he'll, he'll be sunset things, or whatever. There's a lot of things with him in the word allegedly, that's for sure. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's good there's, to see his name back in the news stuff. where he isn't the topic of discussion. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, that's a whole mess, too. Yeah, I honestly, in the end, I think it'll end up going through, even if Microsoft has to make some big, um, you know, big compromises, but I, I kind of, I don't know. A weird part of me does want to, like, I, I want this acquisition to go through because I can see the benefits to me as a 
PC user who will have access to that Microsoft <laughs> library. Like, you know, like I, there's my Game Pass subscription all in one. Well, I'm just going to subscribe to one and everything's going to be there. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, like to me, it benefits me as a consumer. To somebody who's just on PlayStation, like Aaron, for instance, I don't know. Like to him, he's probably seems fairly indifferent, but if I if was you a, cared about Call of Duty, it might it might be a concern. Like if you if you do yeah. care about Call of Duty and you've always played it on PlayStation, it, it is like as a consumer, it is sort of like, uh oh, you know. Mm-hmm. But like maybe Sony knows more, maybe Sony knows less. Who knows? Like, um, but uh, Tim, did you have any comment on this before we jump into the query corner? No, sir. All right. Uh, moving on to the query corner, just more or less, just just a kind of a sentence for conversation, if you will. Sorry, before you before you go. I found I found what I was talking about. Look at my screen. Do you see it, Matt? Oh, I see it. There's this is an art. <laughs> so for the listener, this is an arcade cabinet with Mario Party. Yeah. Uh, and it has it looks like one, two, three, it's like six. six. Yeah. Six spots, obviously, with your coin slots and all that stuff for you to play. Interesting. Six, six player Mario Party. Player Mario Party. Huh. There you go. That that will be the Japan special when we get to that one, boys. We'll we'll get a Patreon going. We'll get a travel fun, to Japan. Yeah, travel to Japan. Track them down. Get a sack of coins and just set up the cams and go nuts. So you can't film it here. Be the, like the first ten seconds of the video. You just so you can't <laughs> you can't film it here. So we flew all the way there. Got got the money exchanged. Got all ready just to like, go. Just like hand, hands <laughs> in the camera, just trying to block yeah. it from. And then it hard cuts us afterward. Man, that was so great. All right, 25-minute video breaking down what it was like and just describing <laughs> it, but no one could see it. Yeah, that ain't... Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, um, what, is, what is Crossfire X? Like, okay, yeah, so uh, this was brought on by the story this week that uh, broke by Game Rant, or uh, rather, we got came to us from Game Rant, which is Crossfire X is shutting down uh, sales ending immediately. I know it's a shooter that wasn't received very well, but it made me ask the question, and I want to pass this on to you guys and get your thoughts, is that I'm noticing a lot of games, especially big ones, are closing down recently, or at least I feel like this, and they're closing down and or ceasing sales, um, and this includes, across, of course, Crossfire X, but also Knockout City, uh, which is an EA title, uh, and also Avengers, uh, which is actually, like, a, obviously a huge license. It's being delisted, and all cosmetics made free, um, and it's going to be delisted on September 30th, 2023. Yes, the game will still be played online so if you own it you can still play it uh in multiplayer with a friend if they own it as well but if i don't buy it before then I can't. it's being delisted god fucking no so it. so what i so this is what i mean is like there's a lot of games that are kind of coming and going and they're kind of like they're big they're big hitters like crossfire this is like the second crossfire I believe there's a there's a crossfire like came out before it's so like the second one or something but um these are big these are big titles that are getting shut down. Um, maybe not Knockout City so much, but I'm just surprised at how many games are being closed down when indie games seem to remain, you know, up and online and functional for years and have maybe just a few a few hundred people playing it. Uh, and these big these big titles are dropping. And so my question to you guys is: Is this a sign of? games as a service overload can people no longer keep up with all these games trying to ensure they complete all their battle passes all their challenges and all that stuff what do you guys think 
uh, it's probably a contributing factor, but it's probably also because Avengers was not a well-received game. But it's also not just Avengers, it's Crossfire X. So... And Knockout City, like all three of these, I think there was more, um, more like recently that are going to be shut down as well or announced to be shut down. These are the three that stood out to me because I've uh, watched a bunch of content at Crossfire X. I've played Knockout City and I've played Avengers and all three are games as a service. Yeah, there are a lot of them and there is, there is a little bit of a fatigue. Um, I, I, Think I think there is going to be a kind of leveling off of games as a service, um, but it um, there was just a, a hard hard drive article, uh, which was like the parody gaming news site that was titled like "Man uh, Man Still Extremely Bored as he like bounces back and forth between three live service games." Damn it. <laughs> I knew, I thought you were gonna say two or three. I thought you were gonna say two or three. God damn it! Doing your dailies across a bunch of games. <laughs> like yeah, it's like something like man, man bouncing back and forth between three live service games, still not having fun, or something like that, or eagerly anticipates having fun. How many live like, service games do you guys are, are you guys currently playing? My first one ever. Fall and guys. Th- and that is Fall Guys. And I'm not even really playing it much anymore because I've done all of my I've finished the season. I got all the like I did the challenges I want to do in terms of getting cosmetics. I, I guess uh, first, actually, my my first question would be, what do we can cons- how do we define live service? What are the criteria for live service? Uh, I think we can like be a little liberal with this because it doesn't have to be battle pass. It could be something like it's constantly updated. And so you're playing catch up. For yeah, some game, for some game, reason, game content cycles in and out. Like yeah, one, content that, cycles in and out has multiple seasons. Uh, is designed to keep you playing every day. Um, those are good. Yeah, those are definitely good points. I can think of three that I play right now. None of which. Oh, that's most of which I don't have a premium, and. One of one of them, I will not be continuing the premium. It's only um, my three are Marvel Staff and Sea of Thieves and Overwatch 2. You know, what's really funny is because you say like you have the, the premium for these games, which is something Just, that I, I had never even really considered about the about live service games is that people are probably playing multiple things like you know Fortnite and mm-hmm. you know, fall guys and you know these things that have battle passes you have to buy and i never even thought about it like oh yeah people are are not only paying to like to for the consoles or the you know computers to play this game on paying for the subscription to the online service to even play the game because they're all multi- always multiplayer they're then paying for the game too and then at that point like like for the season multiple times because there's multiple seasons that are coming out mm-hmm. and multiple games and it just makes me think of like back in the 360 era day back when like we first had to kind of start paying for like online subscriptions yeah, yeah. xbox live gold and- xbox live gold yeah and uh and i remember there was um some people that i knew in high school that played um Oh, what was the game called? It was an MMO. It was like an anime. It was like a JRPG. Fantasy Star Online. Fantasy Star Online that had 
a subscription fee like and it wasn't <laughs> cheap either because like at the time xbox live gold averaged out to be about five dollars a month i think it was 60 bucks yep. canadian for a year but five dollars a month so it's like that's terrible um and then there were it was like i think it was like 11 or 13 dollars a month for fantasy star and i was like so hang on you're pl- you're paying for xbox live and then also paying um almost triple that amount for one game every month and, and then, they were like oh uh, it's another uh, low like it's worth it like if you yeah. play wow you you're paying that much and i'm like yeah it's fair but yeah it, just like the concept was wild to me that like you're you're spending all of this money at every step of the way to play one game online and now people are doing it. It's the norm. It's the same thing with like the fucking horse armor in Skyrim or yep, uh, in, in yep. Oblivion. Like the DLC, the early days of DLC, which was called DLC then. Now it's just called microtransactions um, to that extent. And uh, I don't I have it. I have a major defining difference between those two. I it's cause it's cosmetics, you know, so. Because um, I don't think in Oblivion the horse armor actually did anything except look different. I might be wrong, but I don't mm. think it kept your horse alive anymore. Mm. For, but, for me, uh, for me, the difference between microtransactions and DLC is if it's repeatable purchase, and if it's a half step currency and or half step currency and or can you buy it and show nothing for it. So I'm like, more po- so referring to the literal title of it as a micro, as in. A small purchase, a micro transaction. Uh, no, but there, are, but there are micro. Tra- there are there are there are repurchables. Like there, there are tokens in Marvel Snap and other games that are like one hundred and fifty dollars. But yeah, just, I know they're just bigger bundles of those smaller ones. But, so would a, would a two dollar pack of tokens be a micro transaction? But a hundred hundred pack hundred dollar pack of tokens be a a huge o transaction? I don't understand. I'm not meaning it literally though. Yeah, like. Okay the back in the days of early DLC, there was no such thing as a microtransaction. I'm saying relative to today, yeah, they are effectively those like micro transactions because I think the horse armor is like $4 or $6 or something. And it effectively only added aesthetics to your game. And people thought it was the most unbelievable, most like offensive. People went wild. People went crazy. Thing. Yeah. The fact that they're like, you want me to pay extra money and all you get is armor for your horse? I don't even use a horse in Oblivion. Why? How dare you try to sell this to me kind of thing? And now you've got kids. And now it's it's weird if it doesn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, Kids spend their weekly allowance on on skins in Fortnite every week. Do you remember online passes? Remember those? There was an era where, where they wanted, they didn't want you to buy a used game and be able to play online. So there had to be there was a one time code in the box, and if you did it, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, EA did it. There was there was like yeah. Dead Space, and I think SS uh, Mass Effect did it for a while. But so going back, but the, that whole that whole purchase price of like console game, blah 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 blah, to just to you know devil's advocate for PlayStation and Xbox, you now no longer need to buy the premium the online subscription service to play free to free to play games. If the game is free to play in quote unquote in the, in their respective stores, you do not need Xbox Live Gold or PlayStation Plus anymore to play those online. Those are just you they you get to play them for free. Because it defeats the purpose of the free to play. So you uh, don't... The, the one the one thing about the Fantasy Star, I know who you're talking about, Tim, like who used to play it, and at least they got a hell of a lot of use out of it. 
Because <laughs> they used yeah. to play it a lot. Yeah. Yep. And it's, you know, no shade or whatever. I'm just I'm just comparing stories to like when from when I was a kid to now. And it's just like, oh, for sure. Crazy to see how the uh, how the times have changed. Um, but it's uh, it, it's just, you know, retrospectives and stuff, because I don't I don't, I don't spend a lot of money on singular games like I spend a lot of money on on gaming and games, but I don't um I I don't know if I just don't have the attention span to be playing multiple games at the same time to the point that like I would be able to justify buying three battle passes at the same time. Yeah. And uh like I said I have not played a live service game until like modern Fall Guys. So Yeah, cuz you you played Sea of Thieves but you didn't you weren't chasing the the pass cuz it came out around yeah. the time that you got it. No. Like the pass was new. Yeah. I've never uh, like pursued like leveling up during the seasons and stuff like that. Like, I wonder how many sucks. Ryan has. <laughs> Two for sure. Like for me, uh, these are the games I play, but I don't all chase the passes. So I'll like I'll list that out. I play Apex Legends. I do not chase the pass. Overwatch Two. I do not chase the pass. Chase the pass. Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two. I do, but I did chase for this pass. season. I don't know if I'll do for season two. And chase the pass and uh play the luck and um Fortnite, of course. I I buy and go of crazy course. for the for the Obviously. battle pass. Uh but that's it for that, I think. So four, four of them. And that's just because I'm playing I've been on a competitive shooter kick recently, and I'll just like pick up Apex like maybe once a week or so. Uh, I'll play Call of Duty quite a bit because I've been I'm pretty addicted to that at the moment, but um and then Fortnite's yeah. just sort of a constant. <laughs> I guess I, it's, I think it's, it's just because like I I will like hyper fixate on a game for like a week and then I'll just decide to drop it suddenly and I'll have some other obsession and then I just go after that. Like I my my wallet would be destroyed if I tried to <laughs> like every time that I got into something that I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm really into it right now. I can justify buying the battle pass or buying premium whatever or spending 20 bucks on premium currency to get some some aesthetics i like like at this point i think i only like the the only reason that i put money into fall guys was because i was like already level 85 or something or 65 in the season pass and i was like okay i've played it enough that now even if i buy this and i don't play this anymore I would still consider that justified because of how much time I put into it. That was uh, like- that was my friend's justification. What because I was toying with the Marvel Snap Battle Pass, and the way he phrased it to me, he goes, "Because it's I think it was eleven or twelve something Canadian," and he phrased it as the season ended, and I got and I told myself I had twelve dollars worth of fun over the last month playing this. He goes, that's how I justified it. And I go, okay, if you phrase it like that, I get it. But if I do that every fucking month, 12 times 12 is a lot. You're looking at 144 bucks a year. So for me, there's a there's a lot of just like I have my neurotic rules about what I consider to be a worthwhile purchase and a battle pass and what I'm willing to consider DLC. And I've that's pretty much kept me on the straight and narrow. I have not I've not pumped a lot of money into a lot of things. Um 
Hearthstone would probably be the worst vice that I ha- I've had. And, um, you know, I still have my card collection still there. It's not going anywhere. The only the only other major exception that I've made in recent history is the Overwatch season pass. And that's because the only reason why I really did it for the first season is because I had always intended on buying the game when it was a paid game, when it was supposed to just be a traditional title, you buy it and you play it online. I was going to, I was willing to drop whatever it is, 79.99 Canadian plus tax. And when they announced a free to play model and they, they said, Hey, we're going to do a season pass. I'm like, okay, I already had written off $80 for the game. I will write off whatever it is for the first season pass and see how this goes. Buying the first season pass also gave me the second season pass. Apparently it was a two and one. So, after the second season, I don't know that I will. I don't know that I will buy this other one. So, yeah. When you mentioned the the buying the buying for enjoyment and trying to like measure the enjoyment by dollar, I mean that kind of sucks that we have to do with this at this point. But, um, it you're, like your friend does have does make sense in that in that way yeah. where it logically makes sense because like a hundred like you're saying it's twelve dollars. Uh, so it'd be what one hundred and forty four dollars Canadian for twelve months. So, like, yeah, and, it's, it's one hundred forty four dollars a year. But if you go out for dinner, like it, twice, it's one hundred forty four dollars here. Depending exactly. on where you go, of course. Exactly, but. and and it's not it's not necessarily every month. You don't have to do it every month. And thinking about it is, I'm willing to drop twenty one dollars plus two dollar administrative fee to go watch a movie for two hours in a Correct. theater. But I'm not willing to drop twelve dollars. For, according to my Steam library, fucking triple digits hours of fun per month. So it's with with, with that. Like what I usually do with a mobile game is if I play a mobile game for a while, usually they'll they usually try to offer you something like, hey, we'll give you this bundle. It's a one time bundle for starters. If I had a good time with the yeah. game for a while, I usually buy one of the bundles. That's like five to fifteen dollars, depending on whatever. Um, just because I'm like, okay, like I've effectively paid for the game. That's kind of how I view it. Cause I fall off of mobile games pretty quick, but I'm like, okay, like I played it for a while. You know, I used your servers. I did enjoy it. Here's 15 or $5 or whatever the, the starter bundle is. And then that's it. And that's, and that's how I, that's how I kind of justified is one of my, how my brain figures it out is, is, is it a one-time purchase? Can I buy this thing over and over again? Because if I can, that's a dangerous, that's a slippery slope. That's a dangerous thing for me to do. If it is a one-time purchase and I know I can only buy once, that is that to me, it's way more justified to doing that. And Marvel Snap had one of those one-time starter bundles. And me and my friend who uh, we have the same line of thinking when it's certain things, we bought that, but neither him or him and I didn't buy the we don't do battle passes. We don't do the seasons. But the other friend who buys the season passes actually didn't buy the starter bundle. He didn't think that was worth it, but he bought the season passes and he continues to buy season passes. And that was how I kind of figured figured it out and leveled it out with Hearthstone was they did have one-time bundles and purchases. They said, this is a like special bundle, $12. You get this, this, and this. They go, you can only buy this once per account. You cannot come back and continuously buy this. You can only trigger this once. And it's like, okay. That is okay to me because there is a limit 
to this. Like this, this whole thing is a predatory system. And just the fact that there are regulatory bodies looking at whether or not it is considered gambling and, you know, the causes and the relations to addiction, I've made a conscious effort to not buy anything that is a repeatable purchase. That to me is dangerous. And it's not even just with Hearthstone or Marvel Snap. It's Pokemon Go, Matt. I don't even remember Pokemon Go. And they have a pass now, I think, they, right? But they have a pass. But before we got into the pass, there were certain things that I bought and I didn't buy. I always, I was always willing to buy bag upgrades and bag item upgrade. upgrades. Yes, or a Pokemon Pokemon uh, allowance upgrades. Yes, things that were permanent and that I can utilize indefinitely. That I can't buy again and again and again and and squander it and have nothing to show for it. Like that, like I buy an upgrade, it's the upgrade, it's there. Things that I did avoid were Pokeballs because I find it insane. And this is where it really bothers me is that I can buy a pack of 100 Pokeballs for however many dollars and I can fucking spin my finger and I can whip those Pokeballs and I can miss every single Pokeball. Yeah. And you can squander that entire purchase and show nothing for it. And well, think about, issue, think about those, those. Sorry, was that him? Skill issue, to be honest. Oh, damn it! And and it's it's that is the part where it concerns me. Well, think about those. So we used to go raiding, and we used to use Discord, and people would across our across the the entire city. We yeah. would go. We would drive around and stuff like that to go to do these raids. And I would I would pay for the damn raid passes. Um, just pay out the ass. Like I I actually set it up so that all I had to do was touch my finger to my fingerprint yeah. reader, and it would it would do a checkout. No, nope. uh, just so it was faster. And, and, your... and if you think about that, is that is you go to the raid, you do the raid. There's a gamble on if you win the in the if you win the battle, yeah. then you win the battle. Now there's a gamble on if you catch the fucking thing. Even if you hit it with every single Pokeball, there's a chance that it won't do it. So I've paid, <laughs> I've paid money to do a raid that has a gamble. Hopefully we beat it, and if we do beat it, hopefully I catch it. Yeah, I value I my dollar it. too much to to do that. That 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 doesn't sit well with me. But remember how much fun we had just ripping around shitty Hamilton roads in my Corolla, and you're trying to map out the route, and I'm just yeah downtown, uptown, and all that. that was it was good times. Like I, I, yeah, it was good. Man, first year of Pokemon Go was fantastic. That was that was a that was a good time. I've never walked so much in my life. I went through two full sets of loafers, wore a hole in both of them. <laughs> Anyways, Crossfire X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think that concludes the stories for this week. So let's move on to what we're playing. Tim, what are you even playing? Um, honestly, just uh, pretty much Skyrim <laughs> in the last uh, week. And uh, a little bit of Baldur's Gate 3 with you and Ryan. And then not so much Fall Guys anymore, but occasionally Fall Guys. I was going to uh, touch on it earlier with the... Um, survival crafting games when you mentioned it but i didn't really get a chance to like weave into it organically but i i never play survival crafting games anymore honestly unless they're like a multiplayer like i i don't find that like gratification playing them solo really because i almost feel like you the the fun of in like the survival crafting is like the fact that you're working together to survive rather than just doing like the me versus the game kind of thing I don't know, but that's pretty well how I like look at those. And then Fall Guys, just because I like I don't have any other progress really to make um, in the game. I don't really have much to work towards. Um, so the only time that I play it is like with uh, a group of, of friends and we've been doing like 
uh, more frequently, actually, recently, game nights in in my Discord where we uh, all get together and 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 hang out and play stuff together or you know watch something. And um, but yeah, it's just been it's been a lot of Skyrim uh, just because of this like mod pack that has changed up so much, changes up how all the perks work and like you know your followers and uh, adds tons of equipment to the game, new quest lines, um, just just tons and like new locations and like there's town building in certain areas. It's Whoa. there's, there's so much to like sink your teeth into. Um, it's, it's really quite uh, wild. Um, but that's, that's largely been it. I, uh, I don't really have much more to, to say about Skyrim that I haven't already. Um, I could, I feel like if I really wanted to, I could rush through it and, 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 uh, get to the end I actually had a particularly long session of it today uh where i played uh, a lot more than i normally do i normally play like for two two and a half hours but i played for like four hours today and um and i honestly got a lot done but uh, there's a lot of like really neat little like quirky new mechanics and stuff that uh you can just you can just run with um have you been I, trying it off stream or just only on stream a little bit off stream if i get like an idea while i'm playing the game on stream uh for like oh i wonder if like that would work in the build or like this would be a cool character concept to make and stuff like that i've I've kind of been like fiddling with things and perks um there's like an alternate start mod as well so it gives me sort of an opportunity to make a new character and see what happens if you start here or go over here or this and that um so i've just been kind of like fiddling with those things too um and it just, you know, gives me more of a chance to sort of explore the world if I thought, oh, I really want to like go off and search this way, but I'm already doing like three things right now. And I'm going to try to stay on course a little bit for the, for the sake of the stream. So I allow myself to get a little bit more distracted if I'm just kind of idly playing it, but not, not, not too much off stream, really. I'm trying to save most of the stuff that I haven't seen uh, for the stream so that I can have a, you know, genuine reaction to it. But I get the feeling even when I'm done streaming it, I'll probably leave Skyrim installed for a while with this mod pack just to just to keep playing it and see what else uh, I can uncover. Is the city building as in-depth as the two worlds two city building? <laughs> I have no idea because I think we spent all of like 25 minutes looking at the two worlds two city building on stream together, but uh I mean, it's it's relatively rudimentary, but it is impressive in scale. I will say, there's a place right off the bat with this mod pack that's that's on your map. You can go there immediately. It's called Felberg, uh, which is basically just like a camp in the middle of the woods. Um, I didn't find it until relatively recently. I think my character now is like level thirty-two, um, so I've got a lot of resources. And I've like put a, pun- a ton of points into speech because my character is kind of like a bard spell sword type character. Um, so I got tons of cash as well. And you can fund those towns like just with money if you've got tons of money. So I've just sort of like went there, saw all the stuff that I could buy, basically bought all of it in this little like planning shed, turned around. And then now there's this huge town there and it's got like 
it's got like you know buildings that are all surrounding like sort of a, a small lake and there's like pathways and raised different wooden walkways all over the place and walls and there's a whole temple with a like a, a hell yeah like a church of mara with like the the bell tower and there's a trader and there's an alchemist and there's a tavern and there's all this stuff and it's um it's really cool and you can sort of like upgrade it in tiers as well so you have to start out having like wooden walls but then once you have those you can get castle walls and then once you have the castle walls you can build a castle exterior and then you can build a castle interior and then so there's just like a bunch of different um uh levels to the town that you can build and at the end of the day it costs you know like probably total 50 or 60,000 gold uh but uh, it's it's cool to sort of like build it up kind of piecemeal and have it as just like another resource to go to, you know, and you can get like your own player home there. And um, there are multiple places you can do this, too. There's another one that one's in sort of the woods near uh, kind of like the Fall Creek area. So it's sort of like the central southern part of the map. OK, Um, to the west of Helgen, where you start the game originally when you're playing like Skyrim normally. Um, and then there's another place that I can't remember the name of that's in the, uh, part of the map that's east of the central mountain where like the graybeards are and you do the whole thing for the main story, um, kind of, kind of Southeast of that mountain in sort of the, uh, more fall aesthetic, uh, forests there with like all the birch trees and the orange leaves and stuff. And you can do a similar thing there. You can build things up. You can, you can, it's this town that's been like destroyed by bandits. And then you can kind of go in and be this benevolent, you know, generous benefactor that comes in with, you know, thousands of gold to rebuild it and stuff. And things become piecemeal. And as you start building the town up, more and more people come. Like NPCs are there. It's, uh, it's quite comprehensive, but it's not any more involved than just going to a menu and clicking buy and then it's there in the in the town it's not like you have to wait x number of days or like go to that building and you know put the walls up yourself kind of thing it's not that involved um but it is cool and like the mod pack itself has added so many new locations whether it's like caves or just areas out in the world or um just like lots of little things to help build immersion like you know honestly my one of my biggest complaints about skyrim when i first played it was that you're running around all over the map and so many places feel empty between locations like there's Uh, lots of locations on the map there's tons of locations and there's stuff to do at like every location but between the locations is basically just like roads like there's so they really like made the map a lot more dense uh, with a lot more like events going on and there's like traders that travel the roads and adventurers will like go to the different uh towns and they'll go to the jarls and then they'll like be turning in a quest you know kind of thing so it really makes it's more immersive in that way that it makes you feel like you're not the only one that's out there doing things like you know you're the only one saving the world so to speak but there's other characters that'll come in there's i saw this guy that was dressed all up in like the morrowind like chitin armor and he's in the middle of falkreath <laughs> i'm like i was like whoa who's this guy and then i hover over him and it just says adventurer and he's just going up to the jarl and they're like thank you you've done us a great service and they give him some gold and then he just walks out and i was like that's pretty cool like i'm not the only adventurer that's like going around the world and um but anyway that's very just- red dead we're like red dead 2 
feels alive with the logging camps and people mm-hmm. out in the woods living out in their little cabins and uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Like it feels that because you're right, like Skyrim's older now, but it it definitely feels like I'm just running around and then oh, an NPC spawns in a random encounter. And it feels very much like oh, someone spawned in front of me. <laughs> like if anything, like it just it makes me it gives me hope for especially seeing you know modern more modern open world games like that like Red Dead Two. Um, it all these mods and like immersion things for Skyrim or and even as far back as Oblivion, like all the features of the older Elder Scrolls games, it just gives me a lot of expectations for Elder Scrolls Six. Um, like all all I can really hope for another Elder Scrolls game is that like I think the more organic style of leveling up in Skyrim was a really good way to go because for all the mods out there for Skyrim none of them really touch how you level up just what you get when you level up so i think that sort of indicates that people really like the way that it works in skyrim where the more you invest into like one skill the more it sort of contributes percentage wise to an overall level level up or level progress um it just makes sense right whereas in oblivion it's super convoluted and stupid it doesn't make any sense um but then, you know, in Oblivion, you have spell crafting and you have more immersive, like, uh, you know, character interactions with with conversation trees. And then, like, you look at games like Fallout New Vegas, where quests could have so many different outcomes. And uh, it really felt more like you were their decisions mattered and stuff. Where in Skyrim, it's like, go here, do the thing. You have one objective. You achieve the objective. OK, done. Next thing. Like, there's no there's no branching paths for stories in Skyrim. So in terms of Elder Scrolls six, seeing all these mods, thinking about look, looking at past games, looking at more modern open world games that have come out more recently, they've got a lot to live up to. I think if they really want six to stand out and be not only like a really solid open world game, but live up to and exceed the expectations of Elder Scrolls fans. We'll see a bit of that. We'll see a bit of that with um, Starfield as well. And in terms of like where they're going and what they're capable of doing, because mm-hmm. even Fallout 4 is a number of years ago, like eight 2015? years. 2015, yeah. I think. Yeah. So like eight years as of November. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at quite a bit of time has passed, you know, the better part of a decade. Um, I know that 76 came out after, but that's a different, that's a whole different other, different that's a whole other thing. Different style of game. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what they're hopefully what they're capable of, and hopefully it'll get, get even further for Elder Scrolls. Uh, Adriano, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? I have no idea. So you have to write. there. I have been playing Marvel Snap. Surprise, surprise. I have been playing some Overwatch too. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> I have been playing some Sea of Thieves. Surprise, also surprise. a surprise. Those are the three games that I listed in our battle pass discussion that I was playing under my belt. <laughs> and then those, um, and then the other thing that I played, I actually jumped back on it today because it's been a while. Um, I went and knocked off just a little bit more of that Devil May Cry HD collection as part of my ongoing Matt's backlog project. Whatever Matt plays on backlog, I play on backlog because I can't decide what to play. So Matt's going to decide what to play for me, <laughs> what I'm going to play. Um, this, uh, so I'm just gonna drop a card. I'm playing Marvel Snap right now as we speak. Um, wait, were you setting your spreadsheet to like 
actively playing Marble Snap as we speak? Is that what you were just doing? No, no, I'm saying I'm, I'm taking my turn in Marble Snap. I have it. Oh, open okay. Another, yeah. I have three windows, Audacity, you guys, and Snap in the middle. Oh, my God. Um, so, uh, been playing that. And then I was actually, I just bought a, the DLC pack for uh, Dead Cells. Not the Castlevania one because it's not out yet. But there is another, um, there is a, another one that I have not touched yet that I want to get over and done with before the Castlevania one comes out. And then I was actually, I wanted, I, uh, Matt, you and Ryan put together uh, this really nice gaming PC for me about a year ago, and I have not really used it in any sort of AAA capacity. So I've been trying to think of what to play, and Hogwarts Legacy is full price, so I don't want to touch that. I hey, Red Dead 2. Red Dead 2 is on. I do have that bought, according to my spreadsheet somewhere. And the other one I was going to do was turn on EA Pro for a month and play the new Dead Space game and that is a possibility as well well which um, one are you going to feel more accomplished at the end of playing dead space because obviously you've already played the original dead space but it's, or completing like a huge piece of what rockstar built and they're not going to have a third one possibly ever and if they do it'll be like t- 10 years down the line i'm probably going to play dead space basically. Okay. oh my god <laughs> well, cause, well, because here's the thing though. Right now I'm taking and I'm taking I have night class two nights a week. Record this one night a week. I have two other groups that I play games with two other nights a week. So I don't have a lot of free time in the evening. And Dead Space, based on its its uh you know earlier iteration, is an eight-hour campaign at best. So I feel like I can knock that off pretty well. If you're telling me that Red Dead is in the dozens or eight hours you're not gonna beat it in eight hours yeah so it might be best for me to not play that at least not for a long long time that's a game though i will say this that that's a game you can stew in like you could play that game and like really have fun like i when i was a kid i used to play games and just like you know fuck around i gotta be like oh like i'm gonna uh, I'll just give you an example. So in Red Dead Redemption 2, it's like I had a whole session where I didn't even progress the missions. I just knew I needed winter attire to go up in the mountains. So I did a bunch of like hustling, made a little bit of money without doing missions, got, bought a bunch of winter attire and just went and explored the mountains. And it was like a super enjoyable and, remem- and memorable time for me in that game. That game, you can absolutely just like play for a hell of a lot of time. And if you want to just all of a sudden be like, you know what, I'm done with this. I want to just do the missions. You can absolutely do that and get through it pretty quick. Uh- that but that also I haven't played it, but that almost sounds like from what I've heard is Death Stranding. So that's the same thing. It's just kind of explore and do what you want. Sure. This is just like the Wild West, and there's first, some cool people. Death Stranding and Red Dead Redemption 2 are the same game, according to Matt Lawrence. <laughs> definitely definitely not. Definitely Death not. Stranding is not really an exploration game. No. No. Not really, no. Like it kind of is, but you don't really go anywhere necessarily without a particular like delivery in mind like you can but there's a lot of resources that you expend by getting around so unless you're like really late game you don't really want to almost like air quotes like waste your resources on just going somewhere like you might Mm -hmm. as well take something going there 
Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because for like for Red Dead, it's like I ran up there, you know, found some stuff, looted some stuff, robbed some people because I was an evil cowboy, robbed everyone that came across the road on the road and stuff like that. Whereas like Death Stranding, it's apocalyptic world. So it's like the anywhere I went was either to pick up a mission or I was doing a mission and then the destination was to pick up another mission. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. Zero that or I did install uh, because I did start it. I did start control on PlayStation this was when it like I when I was living at the place before last and when I had sold it and I was moving, I had packed away my PlayStation and I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it and it just kind of fell off it. So control was something that I I also have on PC, so I installed it. That was another option. Um yeah, That's a quick thinking, one. Yeah, I was thinking of doing that. I was gonna try to start a AAA game tomorrow. But then I also do want to go see Titanic in theaters and because that's only up for a week. So I might also just go do that tomorrow and not play a game. So I was, uh, I was actually going to have to talk to you and Ryan as well to see if we can figure out a schedule or if I'm just going to go by myself and send a packed theater. <laughs> With choice seating prices. Well, I did. I checked the seatings for tomorrow, 7 p.m. at Ancaster and it's actually pretty packed like there's i there's, honestly thought you were gonna say they had some sort of pricing difference no, i was no, gonna say you no. son of a bitch there's like there's like <laughs> one empty seat randomly at the top that's empty i'm just like all right i guess i'm gonna go sit with these randos <laughs> and then but at the same time though i don't i have a fairly important job interview on tuesday i actually don't know if i want to risk getting sick so i might go sit off to the side by myself so that's me what about to you matt yeah, as for myself, I uh, I've been doing a bit. Of, I've been on a bit of a competitive shooter kick, so I did a session of uh, Apex. We won a couple of times, two or three times, possibly more. I think it was two or three times, though. Having a lot of fun there. Uh, we seem to be doing really well this season. Uh, I seem to be contributing more and more each time. I, each season, I'm ranking myself, so maybe I'm a little biased, but uh, having fun with that for sure. Uh, I've been playing the Call of Duty. And I've been uh, increasing my kill death ratio. I'm still at 1.01, but I'm now, uh, I've gone over 200 positive now. So I have a good buffer zone. Uh, I was uh, stuck at about 130 ish positive, and then I just rocketed forward. I don't know, skilled up or something, but uh, having a lot of fun with Call of Duty. I know there's a lot of people that hate that game, but I, I've been really, really enjoying it. Kind of back to, my enjoyment of it back in COD four days. Uh, and I used to love COD back then COD two, COD four, COD three, all those, uh, the original one, even. So I'm having a lot of fun with this one. Um, other than that, I, I uh, doing a little bit of the Fortnite. uh, did like maybe one session of Fortnite, and I'm ripping through levels, uh, which is wild. I don't know what the hell is going on, but uh, I was like kind of worried because I wanted to get one of the bonus rewards, which is kind of cumbersome. You have to get quite a few levels and I don't think it's going to be a problem. So I'm um, kind of ripping through that, even though I'm playing it so casually, which is uh, nice. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, they released Geralt of Rivia finally this week. So I uh, got that. And then there's going to be additional Geralt rewards, it looks like, released um, in a, in the coming days. I'm not sure how far out approximately, but this season ends, believe it is March 10th. So I got tons of time, you know, no problem there. Uh, other than all of that, I have been continuing Lost Planet 2 as a part of my backlog project. I have two games on the go backlog project. Um, one of them is multiplayer, which is Gen Zero. 
uh, Generation Zero. I uh, did one session of that for a couple hours. Uh, that's been fun. We're pushing into uh, northern Sweden now, or at least in the northern part of the map, because the whole map uh, takes place in Sweden. Uh, we're pushing into there, and as you do that, it, the game gets harder, and holy fuck does it get harder. Uh, we used to just have no problems, didn't really craft anything, didn't worry about meds. Now it's like, uh, yeah, we're we're like sharing some meds, uh, doing some looting and actually having to hunker a bit, which is uh, which is, I mean, refreshing anyway, uh, in comparison to just sort of walking through everything, which is good. And then, uh, like I already kind of mentioned, Lost Planet 2, um, I found a mission with a horrible with a horrible problem with it. Um, there's a mission where you have a drawbridge and you have to get across the drawbridge, which is up in order to click a button to drop the drawbridge or make it a bridge again. And it's like, oh, use the VS, which is like a mech, a vital suit. Use the VS up top. So I go use the VS, but it has like a weird jumping thing. So it doesn't just like fly. It like kind of does like a dart forward. And so I dart forward, but it barely can make it. And of course, I don't make it because I'm not like a professional Lost Planet 2 player. So I'm like, okay. Now what? So I try a whole bunch of stuff and I keep dying and I'm like, wow, like I'm actually going to fail a mission here, which I've never done uh, in that in this game yet. So I'm like, great. I'm actually going to I'm actually going to lose a mission here. And then I find some other like really crappy VS and, out, out in the back. And it's just like this weird floating thing. And I end up making it. But I was thinking to myself, like this mission has like a fail condition where if I, if that other VS were to break, I don't think the game would detect that I don't have any more VSs. Do I just restart? And this is a a co-op shooter. This is a four-player co-op shooter, sort of like a like a Back for Blood or something like that. Not with zombies, though, of course. And it's just, I don't know, weird. Like just a weird mission where it's just sort of like, is this a unless unless one of the VSs would respawn? But it just seemed like such a hole in in the I don't know, just it was weird. Um, but I looked it up and this game is broken up, I believe it is, into chapters. It's either chapters than episodes or episodes than chapters. And then each of those are broken down further, further broken down into missions. A lot of this is to do with, I believe, the 360 just loading smaller areas. And I have two more of the big ones to do. So two more of the episodes or two more of the chapters, which which will contain a variable amount. I think the most I've experienced is four or five um, of like the sub ones. So I am, you know, say at most eight missions away. Which is okay, like eight um, eight chapters away or whatever. So that that's not too bad. Um, hoping to complete the game soon because the story is taking some turns, and I it took a turn. And I have no idea what the hell happened. I was like following it pretty closely, and then I blew my nose and missed a like small piece of dialogue, <laughs> and literally I don't know what the fuck is going on. And then all of a sudden it's like we're all together now. It's like wait, what? I thought you were my enemy, and weren't you on another part of the planet? And it's just all of a sudden we're working together. Like okay, so. Uh, that's Lost Planet 2. I'm enjoying it, but uh, yeah. So uh, I have chosen the next game that I will be playing on my backlog project, which is Call of Juarez Bound in Blood. It's the second Call of Juarez. Very good game. Played the crap out of it on my PS3, and my PS3 corrupted the save. So I'm uh, going to... Uh, it wasn't even... My, my PlayStation 3 didn't even break. It just literally corrupted fuck yeah. the fucking save. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to play this. I bought it on sale on 360. Um, or on Xbox uh, series, but it's a 360 game. So I'll be doing that. And I also bought Call of Wars The Cartel, which is notoriously bad, but it was a couple bucks. So I thought, yeah, whatever, I'll give it a try. And uh, another game is on my backlog is Spec Ops The Line. 
It was $30 for an Xbox, Xbox, Xbox 360 game backwards compatibility. And it went on sale this week for $4.99 or $5.99. So I picked that up quick because I put it on my wish list because that's definitely on the backlog. I've been scooping up 360 games that are uh, usually when they go on sale, they're very cheap. So I've been grabbing those because I want to get through a bunch of those games uh, in the backlog project. And that that's been my week. Yeah, I've been I've had the uh, Spec Ops line on my backlog for a while too, and I actually meant to stream it like a long time ago, and then I got distracted by something else, and it's always just been sitting there like waiting. So, I only hear good things. I don't know about yeah. you, but I only hear good things about it. Yeah. So we will see when we eventually get around to it. And where can they see that, Tim? Well, you see, typically you can catch up with most of what I most of the time that <laughs> I spend playing video games on. Uh, twitch.tv slash the sidetrack where I stream five days a week but uh, sometimes I can also be found on a different channel on Wednesday nights Eastern Standard Time that would and be that channel twitch, is twitch sorry twitch.tv slash day one patch media go check that out we're doing the old Baldur's Gate uh, 3 almost a 2 <laughs> doing the old Baldur's Gate uh, old Baldur's Gate 3 we are getting ourselves into a lot of trouble, a lot of mischief. Um, I really like that you can move the items around and use them to get on top of places and stuff like that. I'm really surprised that you can do that. Yeah, I think it's a um, a feature of the previous, uh, maybe not Baldur's Gate, but it's definitely a feature of previous Larian games where you can um, you can really mess with the environment in like the Divinity Original Sin games. Um, and there are whole builds based around doing that. Like the the speed run of, uh, I think the original uh, Divinity Original Sin um, involves putting containers inside of containers inside of containers inside of containers inside of containers to stack as much weight into one item as possible because there's a skill that you can get called telekinesis where you can move things around the environment no matter how heavy they are, just like psionically or whatever. Hey. Um, so basically it just, it when you move things around, there is like a physics system as part of the game where when you, um, like you can take a box or a crate or anything out of your inventory and you can throw it at somebody or use telekinesis to like move it onto them and that they take damage off of that based on how heavy the item is so when you've got a million containers inside of containers inside of containers you're throwing around like 20 30 thousand 40 uh or (laughs) thousand pounds at a time and you can just like one shot bosses with it so the speed run is incredibly uh entertaining to watch and i fully recommend it to anybody who is somewhat familiar with the game or even just sort of can understand that concept um yeah there's no need for a build when you can just telekinesis multiple thousands of pounds at your enemies but uh absolutely my favorite part of the game is the fact that we are able to just it's like a linear game that you're able to break it's not like oh this character is protected yeah yeah. for some reason it's literally like you just we just killed the two merchants in the town they're dead like it's not like they're gonna come back it's not like red dead where like they're quote-unquote dead and then they come back injured and they have like a cast on their arm or whatever it's like they're 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 fucking dead like our gate no longer opens automatically because the gate runner is dead yeah that's that's something i haven't done before that's that's a new one but uh you decided to push her off your cliff so that's what happens i guess is it me or you it was definitely you 
Was it really? I thought it was you. Anyway, we have uh, the tapes. I, I believe it that it was you, Matt. Like, oh, okay. Thank you, Adrian. Fuck, this guy just moved his nightcrawler to the middle. Okay, you oh, guys okay. before we get this becomes this? the Marvel Snap podcast. Thanks for tuning I, in. I sure I shared my screen, you guys. I have a really good deck. I call it Rockin' right now, right? Dump rocks on your deck. Check out our daily gaming clips on TikTok, Ronan Instagram, Facebook. Card in their hand. And, and then you, you two, two can, can talk at the same time. We'll get up there and go up and talking over each other at the same Which time. Copies the world. Yeah. Building up the stream. Peace.